Welcome to the Heart Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart Centered Therapist podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Gozanski. With great pleasure, I'd like to introduce my guest for today. Today, I'm meeting with Dr. Melanie Hearth, also known as the Santa Fe Therapist. Melanie specializes in helping high-achieving, high-functioning women who feel lost and scared, reconnect with themselves and their dreams, discover what brings them joy and happiness, and achieve their goals. Dr. Melanie Hearth is a licensed psychotherapist in Santa Fe, New Mexico. She's a trauma specialist. She works with women, often HSPs, highly sensitive persons who are struggling with difficult childhood experiences, complex PTSD, grief, and loss. She uses mindfulness, CBT, DBT, parts, and IFS work, as well as depth, narrative, and positive psychology to help her clients break free of the past and move into the future they've always dreamed about. Melanie has also studied various esoteric, mystical, and Eastern spiritual traditions most of her life. I'm super interested in this. She has hosted a public radio show called Living from Happiness, KSFR 101.1 FM, for the past seven years. Finally, she's a beach bum living in the desert who goes crazy for good music of all kinds, great fantasy fiction, and organic dark chocolate. Whoa. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And I I used to love organic dark chocolate until I just read this huge study about the lead content. So now I'm I'm, uh, rethinking my relationship to organic dark chocolate. (laughs) Don't we do that as therapists? Rethink our relationship to things all the time. (laughs) Yes. Well, let's say if we're paying attention, we are. If we're paying attention, we are. And I think these times, oh my goodness, I was just listening to uh, the podcast of uh, one of my radio shows that I just did with this woman who has, oh man, she has a big mind, which I love, love, love. And she's got a heavy Jungian background. Hmm. And we spent quite a bit of time talking about these times, the times we're living in now and the, uh, you know, the collective traumas and even paradigms of how we have always thought the world actually was, including who we are as therapists, who we're helping, how we're helping, who am I? Who am I in terms of climate crisis when there's a massive wildfire here, you know, just Mm. down the road from where I live and where my office is? How do I hold that and still show up as a therapist? What does all of that mean now? So it's an exciting, wonderful, oh boy, look at all we get to learn. And like, oh my God, I can't learn one more thing and I'm exhausted and I just want to go away someplace. Right, right. I mean, just diving in there, that's so much of what I'm passionate about is this therapist identity and the notion that it is in flux and then it's also impacted 
like you just described, this mm-hmm. role of the self does change as a therapist. It changes a lot. And I love that, you know, the, the self, you know, it, what even is the self, you know, which is like, oh yeah, good luck answering that question. I right. mean, you know, IFS has an answer and some spiritual traditions have a really good answer, I think, uh, which is pretty similar to IFS. But how do I define myself? Mm-hmm. How do I define myself as a therapist? How do I find meaning and purpose as a, a therapist living in these times when these times we're, we're in it? We're right. in it. I mean, one of the issues for me that's come up, I'm in a couple and it's brand new for me because I really am sort of a terrible introverted hermit. I mean, it's not terrible, but only when I need to interact with anybody else, you know, does it become oh, an issue for me? I, 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 I love hearing that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's refreshing. It's also hard to believe because I, you know, I see your amazing radio show, which I've, I've already sampled and it's so great. And I think, wow, you, are you really an introvert? Well, I'm actually an ambivert. Hmm. And so being with the right people and, and you know, who knows how much of that is also being a highly sensitive person myself, because it's right. all the same darned thing, really. And you can only parse out so, so much. But one of the issues that I, yeah, I, I force myself, I sort of force myself to get out there in the world. I also recognize, and part of that is aging, all the best advice, just in, not as an aging therapist, but as a person who's getting old or older, being the hermit is not the best scenario going forward for me. Also, I know that I am a tiny nothing piece of this maybe magnificent idea of being human. Yes. And that humanity, even though I think we really are failing as a species, I really do. <laughs> Still, here I am embodied. I'm here for meaning, purpose, to serve, to learn. I need to be connected with others. And in the moments like meeting someone like you mm-hmm. and all the wonderful people I get to talk with on the radio show and all my friends and all my clients, yes. it is invariably this is what I'm here for. It's just That's not right. static and a Sumi, uh, not Sumi, Sufi. See this oh. Sufi sense, ecstatic, spiritual. Right. Brain. Not that kind of ecstasy. Fabulous. <laughs> but, but what I was going to say a million years ago was I just joined two. One is a peer support group and the other one is a, a paid group training program. Mm. And I want to bring to actually both of those groups One of the questions that's really sitting with me right now as a therapist, I pay a lot of attention to the science of the pandemic and SARS. And what's beginning to show up in some really valid studies is data that say anxiety and depression can be very much part of the profile of long COVID. How, and I have a couple of clients, both of whom are younger. And neither one of them wants to pay any attention to long COVID, Mm. let alone the possibility that part of how they're feeling might be due to this. And how do we as therapists address this? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. What do you think? Well, I I think it's fascinating and it's, it's timely. We deal with this every day. I am so much myself a victim of 
feeling like a hermit in part from the pandemic. And I think I, you know, I've seen that in myself and in other clients and other people, like as the first part, you know, one of those, those symptoms that we are less connected, that we need people, we need to get out of, out of the house out there, but we got conditioned and that conditioning remains. So I see that as one of the things that continues on, but I also agree with you that this depression and anxiety that we're seeing sometimes connected to long COVID is really concerning. And also, you know, lately I've also been thinking about looking at that sense of inflammation, you know, when we're looking at the, the body physiology and how much of a role with all of the other things going on, COVID autoimmune diseases and so on. And I know, you know, biologically they've looked at this, but I think it's really important for us as therapists to take a look at it again as well, because we're just seeing so much and culturally so much has changed, right? Our, what we eat, how we exercise or not, you know, so many things, (laughs) but we're kind of going on a tangent here, which is fine. It's, it's what we see every day. Well, I think it's for me, it's one of the things, uh, one of the inquiries that I'm sort of currently sitting with in a mindful way and as a therapist, both for myself personally, as well as being a therapist. Uh, I have a couple of clients right now who may be struggling with some biological fallout from having had COVID multiple times, Mm -hmm. but also, so there's that issue, but there's also the issue again, which gets, you know, it's like existential. And what does that even mean? everything is changing. We need, we need new systems. We need new sort of ways of even being therapists. I think, well, I don't think it, I know that we you need know that that's and right. We've each internalized all of these messages and subconscious core beliefs about, you know, that come out of toxic patriarchy and toxic capitalism run wild. How do we even begin to separate what's, I keep pointing to my chest, what's within Mm -hmm. me to begin to think about and, and talk about with others, how to begin creating what's needed now and what is no doubt coming without living in fear. It's like, oh my God, I don't know how to do that. Right. Well, know. Melanie, it's it it really strikes me, right? You you're you're holding your chest right over your heart. How do we do this? And and also you mentioned before recognizing we are so small. We are minute kind of in the world, in the universe, but that's that's not in a deprecatory way it's more like humble we're we're little and yet we're here for this purpose and our humility can cause us to do great things you know when we channel it and so i think it's this channeling with these other ways that can be so helpful right it is heart led it's from that humble place and i mean maybe this would be a good time to even talk about some of those other approaches and techniques you've really studied and used as a therapist, like the Eastern traditions, wisdom, and I don't even know what earth-based practices are. And I'm so excited to find out. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't have formal training in eco-psychology, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of branch of therapy, quote unquote, as a quote unquote modality. 
but I have, let me see what's coming to me. What's coming to me, earth-based practices. And I oftentimes use myself as the example because mm-hmm. I sort of know myself best. And it's like, yeah, so I was there when it happened. And I remember, you know, to the extent memory is <laughs> valid. I was a child of incest from a, a family member. And that was oftentimes occurred at a place geographically that it was a 3000 acre ranch mm-hmm. inland uh, of San Diego. And, so, and I have three sibs and we're very close in age. And the four of us, and this, you know, was a million years ago, but the four of us used to run wild uh, and barefoot almost all the time over this incredible wild land. Wow. And it was so, it was so fabulous. Let me put it that way. And I always felt safe. I've always felt safe on the land, out mm. in nature alone. And then all of that kind of got mixed in with my grandfather and, you know, having to become hyper vigilant at a very early age. And, you know, all right. of what that did in terms of cracking open my heart. So earth-based, always feeling safe. The earth was your safe place from the trauma. And the wild earth, it was, it was part of my safe, one of my safe places. And then as an adult, I've done a couple of very powerful vision quests. There's an organization that is based in Durango, Colorado. It uh, was founded by a depth psychologist, Dr. Bill Plotkin, Animus Valley Institute, AVI, mm. and I came across one of his books. He's He created an entire new paradigm of working with people that, out of the depth psychology world that really is starts with working with the land and different parts, of, different parts of ourselves and different ways of connecting with the universe and the cosmos, but, you know, super depth psychology felt legitimate kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So those were uh, incredible experiences. And you are such an adventurer. I really am. Yes, am. you have an adventure soul. <laughs> I do. I do. And I've always felt very connected. You know, I, I think people who are looking for that sort of spiritual connection. I don't often talk about my woo in public, but it's part of what I'm being called to do now. And I know that I'm being called to do that. How do I know that? That's a whole nother show. Mm, okay. But I, or we can talk about it if you want. It's a felt sense. It's a knowing. It's a, it's the part, part of me that says, Melanie, you're going to be 70 this year. You better get off it, you know, and do it. And what have I got to lose at this point? So I'm beginning to do some writing about that and talking about it. Oh, oh, that's amazing. And so you, you're being called to do this. It's, it's really something internal that you, you, a voice you can't ignore. You know, I could ignore it. I I have been ignoring it my entire long life. Mm -hmm. I could choose to still do that, but I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that. Why? Right. Why? And I think there are millions of people. There are a lot of people. I'm talking about me being so indoctrinated with the cultural and bureaucratic systems that we have 
and they are so toxic and they are sort of meant to crush our souls. Mm-hmm. I don't have to continue being complicit in that. I don't have to. You go. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's practices. Oh, and I've done some shamanic, you know, this is uh, New Mexico and yeah. I've, I've mostly always lived in the West and there's a, a wonderful really wonderful shamanic teacher here in Santa Fe. His name is Dr. Jose Luis Stevens. Uh, And I think it's with a V, not a PH. And he and his wife and now his adult daughter. And he also, he has a PhD and he's a clinical social worker Hmm. out of, of course, California. Of course, because I was born in California. Oh, okay. So it's like, yeah, go left coast. We've got the east and left going here, but (laughs) (laughs) And he's got some beautiful books and beautiful practices. And he has a free monthly newsletter that I have been reading for years. And I sometimes use with clients and it's a little bit of of a combination of astrology, which I also, I wish I were an astrologer. I'm not, but I have found astrology to be the most profound (laughs) and profoundly confusing system of knowledge I have ever come across. It's like, oh, I get it. I got it. What? What? <laughs> what? But I, so he's, his work is a combination of shamanic teachings, Western psych with a PhD in, mm. you know, social work and astrology. So it's this beautiful meld. Anyway, so that's some of earth-based practices. Yes. Okay. That's, that's really, that's really great to get a taste of it. And also what's inspiring you. And it's exciting to me because like you said, you could choose to ignore this voice. Maybe you've ignored in the past. You're not anymore. You're, you're almost 70. And, you know, I am (laughs) like 12 years younger than you. So even for, for me, like the other night, I'm thinking, Oh wait, I have to do the math in my head. What? I'm going to be 58. Oh no. Can I keep doing all this? I just started this podcast. I just started XYZ. I want to do so much more. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. system would say, who are you kidding? You know? Yeah. Who are you kidding? And so I see you and it's like sisterhood. It's like encouragement. And for that, I really want to thank you, Melanie. It just happened. Well, I would say you're welcome and it's my pleasure, but you know, you're welcome and it's my pleasure. And I'm, I've been really big my entire life and I'm laughing because it hasn't always worked out so well, which is to, to, to keep saying yes, Hmm. saying yes, saying yes to the journey, saying yes to trying to understand better what it means for me to be human and and my place as mary oliver put it you know in the scheme of things in that beautiful wild geese poem yes and and it keeps me i don't want to say it keeps me alive but gosh i i do love what i do i i think it's a sacred privilege i think it's a blessing and i think it's the coolest effing thing possible to get to do what i'm doing so, you know, and right. I don't think about, I can't do, well, I do, I can think about, oh, I can't do it. I'm getting too old or I don't want to, or, and it's like, no, why? But that kind of leads me into, I do have different capacities now. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's my responsibility to pay attention to that in a really mindful way to slow down enough to tell myself the truth about what I can do 
and what is healthy for me to do. I'm really strong and very good at pushing and powering my way through like everything always. Right. That doesn't I understand that. That doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve much. Right. We think it does, but it doesn't. But we're taught that it does. Right. Right. That toxic patriarchy, you know, all that stuff out there. Sure. So now you're saying, yes, you're choosing a little more intentionally because of capacity, energy, and choice, what you're going to say yes to. And because of so many mistakes. There's so many. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. So many mistakes that I, I like to liken it, which is mixing metaphors and I'm doing it anyway. It's like a big giant face plant from jumping off the rim of the Grand Canyon oh, and gosh. up on the bottom and, and going, oh, oops, it's going to take me a while to get out of here. So I haven't always been intentional. I sometimes I like to just go and then figure it out by the seat of my pants. And that's in some ways that's cost me a great deal. Right. I think that's a good quality for a therapist to have. And most of us have an inkling of that. Really? Yeah. So I, I want to go back to something you said you've learned to say yes to the journey, or you've had to say yes to the journey. You actually, you know, shared with us so vulnerably, you know, you had trauma that you didn't want to say yes to, but you had to figure out how to, you know, thrive and survive from that. And you found nature and you found other supports. And and you shared with me that you had to say yes to the journey of difficult family experience. That's, you know, you didn't have a choice of saying yes or no. It's true. Uh, and this, it gets very personal and I uh, appreciate the chance to talk about it. Thank you. And part of it really, again, goes, I think it kind of belongs, part of it belongs in that conversation of who am I as a therapist? Who am I as a human being? Who am I as a woman? And in this case, who am I? Who have I been as a parent? My son has a pretty severe psychiatric disorder he has had episodes over the years that have always felt pretty manageable and he's been okay, but I'm telling you 2020 COVID, the isolation and the whatever is going on with his diagnosis really caused him to sort of fall off the edge of the world. Mm-hmm. And it was a very long, very difficult 24 seven suicidal for at two straight years. We oh don't, gosh. We don't live in the same state. And so <laughs> I have always credited him with being my biggest teacher this lifetime. Wow. Yeah. Really. And, and, you know, and I will say that, can I just tell you, it hasn't always been all that pleasant of a journey, but he's right. It's not. It's been miserable in many ways, which of course, parents and mothers are not allowed to talk about. But it's so important to validate that here, you know, for our listeners that sometimes it's miserable. You're like going through the muck yes. and you don't see, see a way out. You know, you, you shared with me a quote, you said, there's a universe of pain in that reality. Yes, there is. And of course, for both people involved, in the right. dynamic, in, in in this case, this relationship. And part of why this has been a huge sort of invitation from the universe, invitation from the person I love the most, by far, no questions asked, but sometimes really haven't wanted to be around, 
mm. for many reasons. How, how can I stay here? How can I be in relationship with this person who really needs me? What does that take from me? I'm, I'm a really, really good people pleaser, uh, mm-hmm. self-sacrifice for the greater good, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, you know, trauma response. I was going to say, you came by that pretty honestly. I did. I really was taught so well how to do that. And it was one of yeah. my survival coping mechanisms back in the day. Mm-hmm. But that has not served me very well as an adult. So that's part of what I'll be unpacking, I think, the rest of my life, which yeah. at this point is not that much longer. But, you know, I don't have 50 years left to unpack. <laughs> well, we say, to 120. But so, so Melanie, you know, as you're describing that, right, your son, who you love so much more than anything, and how can you be there? How can you, you sit there with that pain? Sometimes it's almost, it's almost impossible. And this is the, the mom and the human part. And yet we know as therapists, Hey, we do it all the time. We show up and we're with clients that we don't necessarily like, um, and we try to find that part that we love in them. And so it's like when your therapist training and experience can't help you in your human situation. How right. painful. Well, well, what it, what I've had to learn, no, I didn't have to learn it. I didn't, again, it's another choice. Mm. And thank goodness that I, I have enough training and enough skills and, you know, I've been practicing being alive now for a while. I I didn't have to do what I have done. Mm. I could have stayed sort of stuck and rigid in all of the thinking that we have all been taught about what being a mother is supposed to feel like. Mm -hmm. And the kid is supposed to, you know, act this way and do this way. And it's supposed to feel this way until they're whatever, ready to fly their wings. And then they're going to fledge out into the world and they're never going to face plant. And it's always going to be fine. And they're going to take care of us in our old, you know, all of those, all of that. Plus you can't be happy if your kid's not happy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's still a tug on me. But I think for me, that's just always true, but that doesn't mean that does not mean that I have to violate my own boundaries in order to take uh, away that tug. Sometimes it's more, much more important to hold a firm line mm-hmm. for both me and the other. I don't serve people when I'm, you know, self-sacrificing on the altar of, of whatever narrative I've had shoved down my throat. Right, right. So I got to use my skill sets on myself. I am not my son's therapist. Oh my God. And he will tell right. me, I can't go there. I mean, he just gets really Sick. pissed off, rightly so. Yeah. I'm his mother. What does it mean to be the mother of an adult who is uh, mightily struggling? Well, I, yeah. need to, I turned it inward. What do I need to do to sit with my pain and his pain? How do I hold that without knee-jerk reacting? You know, what part, inner parts of myself, to go to IFS for a sec, mm-hmm. are being triggered. He and I trigger each other. Of course. In terms of emotional regulation, where are those skills? What can I do? How do I feel my own, ooh, maybe shadow stuff as a parent? Maybe I didn't do everything perfectly. Right. The shame that might come up or... The guilt, yeah. the anger. So, you know, learning 
to kind of strengthen my own emotional regulation skills mm -hmm. and sit with all of this sort of shadow material from Jungian uh, depth psychology, maybe I wasn't perfect. And how does that then, oh gosh, how does that threaten the young one of me who had to be perfect to survive uh, the childhood abuse herself? And then, you know, oh my yeah. God, it's endless. It's endless. But, you know, and then like to take a break, take a walk, um, and always come back to the love. Hmm. We love each other. We love each other, he and I. And so all that polyvagal theory, my own childhood trauma, emotional regulation, interpersonal neurobiology, all of these trainings I could use on myself. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I practically memorized oldie but a goodie, stop walking on eggshells. Oh, I mean, the book, I, I'm looking at it right now. I have so many stickies. I have so many notes. I had to sort of start at the beginning in some ways because I had to learn some things. I had to learn some things as a mother when I was, uh, you know, in my sort of late-ish 60s, mid-60s. Right. It's, it's a different learning for you as a mother than as a therapist. You, you know, there there's there's the overlap, but that learning that, you know, going through that book in a different way than when you were just reading it. So how can I help this client? You oh, know? it's so much easier. Can I just tell you working with clients? Because I sort of, I don't know, there's, well, I don't know why it is, but it is because it's not so personal. Mm -hmm. It's right. not so personal, but again, you know, they both come from the heart, the work on myself and the commitment to my son and the work that I think is important for therapists to do on behalf of our clients, they all, and that same commitment, all, they're all heart-based commitments. Yes. How do you think your way into this kind of stuff? Oh, exactly. I'm, I'm always telling the students I work with, right? Like we have to get out of our heads. You, you, you can't think your way through it. Right. And you, you need to, like you said, have those practices that help you find the compassion, find that calmer place within you, find some intuition or wisdom or, or whatever you want to call it, some knowing that you bring into the room or you also bring into your life. You know, like you're saying, you had to start asking yourself, Melanie, what do I need? Mm -hmm. Yes. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries boundaries oh my goodness boundaries 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 and it's such a hot hot topic these days well it's so important for for people such as myself well i think it's important for anybody but you know not everybody's interested in learning about boundaries but you know the self-sacrificing perfect people pleasing child of trauma mm. oh my god who has a very wide open heart to begin with to begin learning that one can have a big, wide open heart at the same time, how to protect that vulnerability and that not everybody deserves it. <laughs> right. And, and is that one of the hallmarks of a highly sensitive person, this big, wide open heart? That's a really good question that I don't know the answer to. Okay. I, I bet the answer is yes, because part of what goes along with the profile of, of this highly sensitive person which comes from Dr. Elaine Aaron, A-R-O-N, who developed this theory 30-ish plus years ago, and it's really holding up very strongly. Empathic, 
sensitive to others, being more open to others' energies, being mm. sensitive to like, oh, like I'm looking at the, you know, the top, I'm the knit top I'm wearing. It's nice and soft. I don't like some fabrics and right and, um, sensitivities to light and noise and textures and other people. So, mm -hmm. yes. yes. And I, I encourage you listeners to check out also Melanie's website and blog. We'll link to all of that, but I, I really love the, the pieces you've written about highly sense, you know, HSPs. So helpful. And then you weave in so much that's in the news today about narcissism. You have a great article about yeah. the Prince, Prince Harry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I love, I mean, I, uh, I love teaching. I do love teaching. And, but I do think for me, I need the writing because it helps me kind of corral and rein in some of my, you know, cosmic tendencies. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I'm not very good at bullet points, mm -hmm. but I think there are a lot of people who need material presented that way. And it helps me figure out what I'm actually talking about, what I actually think. Yes. Yes. Right. And so you distill it in a great way in your blogs, as well as in your interviews. You. Tell us a little bit about what it's been like for seven years now. You've been the host of a public radio show called Living from Happiness. That is a long haul. Congratulations. Thank and you. you've had amazing guests. We will link to your show in the show notes. Um, it's really worth listening to. And the guests are phenomenal. And these are really in-depth discussions and conversations you have. Thank you. Well, I can't do surface. I, I just can't. I get bored in a New York minute and I went out of there. And mm -hmm. I don't know, is that my Herman is that my HSP? I love one-on-one. -on -one. I love one-on-one. -on -one. It's like the best thing ever besides, you know, alone time by myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, um, I agree. But that's what we love to be therapists too, right? Like you said, it's so exciting. We get to be with one person and learn from them or with a couple yes. and that introduction into that intimate space. Yeah. Such a privilege. It really is a privilege. It's a, it's a real privilege. I love that word. I think we therapists work really hard for that privilege and we are charged with doing, I think sometimes impossible things. Yeah. Um, you know, the legal requirements on us are just like, you've got to be kidding me, but that's a whole nother that's another radio show. Right. Uh, but in terms of doing the, the show, again, it helps me overcome my, I don't know, you know, there's so many different lenses, so many different narratives we can use. Is it childhood trauma? Is it CPT? Is CPTSD response? Is it HSP? Who knows? But doing the show for me is a perfect vehicle for reaching out. In fact, it's such a funny story. I'll tell on myself. I just okay. saw somebody else at the radio station. She snagged like one of my big heroes. She doesn't even, she's not a psychologist. She talks about books. And how did she get a Dasher Keltner from UC Berkeley's Greater Good what? Science Center? I know it. It is like, I went through their whole program and I've read his books. And, and, and your why? show is about happiness. And you know why? Because I 
still have a big part of me that that it's that imposter syndrome. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I don't dare approach him. And so I didn't. And so she like scored on me and it's like, ha, look what you missed, Melanie. But at the same time, I've used the radio show has been a beautiful vehicle for me to reaching out because I, mm-hmm. honestly, I am really a big chicken. I would never reach out and ask anybody I thought was like more important than me, which is almost everybody. Um, and it's like, wow, it's helped me talk with these national thought leaders. And, you know, the, at this point, everybody has yes. a book and I get, to, I get to, I have to read their books. And oh, I so amazing. much. As, they're wonderful. I haven't had one interview with one person that was like, oh my God, that was a lot of work. And how yucky was that? And yeah, everybody's fabulous. Yeah. So this is such a fun thing for you as well, like bringing joy into your life. And that's something that we need more of. Everybody needs to cultivate their joy and their their stimulation, right? It's intellectually stimulating for you and you make the connections and I don't think you give yourself enough credit. I don't think you're a chicken. That's an old story. Okay, I mean, I'm not a chicken. I'm writing it down. I'm yeah, a, okay. You know what I need to do? I need to get in touch with him, Dr. Keltner, and say, okay, be on my show. Just to like, what is that word? Con- not confront, but to mm. kind of hold that part of myself that thinks I'm a chicken and really is a big scaredy cat. Really, there's a part of me that is. But there are <laughs> other parts of me that are not. And That's also- right. Something about the radio show, you know, my uh, rates as a therapist are in this state high. They're mm-hmm. among the highest in the state. It's a one of the poorest states out of all 50. We come oh. in number 50 or number 49 in all kinds of like childhood. I didn't poverty. realize that. It's not a wealthy state. My rates are high and doing the radio show is a way that I can sort of serve the greater community. And, and so there's, there's That's that absolutely part of it. Yep. Yeah. And I'm also modeling, I think for people, I, I kind of connected with it when you were just talking, Cindy, about that. It does bring me a great deal of joy to have these deep conversations with people who have big minds. And it's just like, it's fun. See what happens when you do. I don't care what it is. That's fun for you. This kind of sort of soul satisfying, whatever. Yes. But we have to do it to be fully alive. And I want, there's a, a saying from the Tao Te Ching, to be alive as long as I am live. A li- living is long enough to have lived. Oh boy, I really messed that mm. up. To be fully alive as long as I am here is being alive. It's the best possible life we can have. I want to be alive while I am here. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh my goodness. Just taking that in, that part of us where we can keep saying yes, staying alive and going for those things we want that, Mm -hmm. that make us feel like we have purpose and that we serve. You use the word, you have a servant's heart, Melly. I, I hear that use the word serve. And I think it's, it's so beautiful to also help therapists and other people see there are so many other ways, right? You may have a thriving high level business or practice or, you know, boutique concierge level type of offering that not everybody can afford. 
Mm-hmm. And you can still give back. You can, you can teach, you can have pro bono spots, you can blog and people can read and, and maybe get the hope or whatever they need resources yeah. that way. You know, even I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that this show will also be able to inform other therapists of things they might like to learn different ways they might like to be as they continue on in their journeys. There's so much that's possible. I think really, I don't, oof, I I don't think it matters. I, I know that millions of us maybe almost everybody, we have constraints on us. Our possible, some have possibilities as, I don't know, big as the universe and other ones are, are, our possibilities within who we are, are, may feel more limiting or limited, but they are limited in large part by how we hold those so-called limitations. There's an almost infinite number of possibilities. And I think the podcast, one of the reasons I love uh, your podcast idea is that, gosh, we are so isolated therapists, especially those of us in private practice. A hundred percent. And I work with therapists as clients, uh, some of whom are in those oftentimes horrid agency settings and situations. Mm-hmm. There's not really camaraderie there. You really have to watch your back. You have to pay attention. You have to follow the party line. You have to do all this right. terrible stuff, but, but we're so isolated. And, and I think that's something that has to change because I don't, I don't, I can't carry what I'm being asked to carry now with the world, with the world as it is now and with the, the traumas coming at us from every direction. Exactly. I I need help. I need colleagues. I need safe spaces. I need to hear, oh, that's a cool way of thinking about it or doing it or Mm -hmm. trying it. Oh, what is that? Oh, that's a good idea. I can use that with, you know, X, Y, Z. Exactly. Exactly. We need that community and connection so much. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I started the Heart Censored Therapist community on Facebook. It's a nice group. We're not super active, but people will share things and I just want it. That's fine if it stays small, you know, because it's just stay small and it say stays safe. And that's so important. We can't always know who we can trust even in our communities. Like you said, if you're in a clinical, you know, community mental health, you don't know that if you tell your supervisor you're struggling, they're not going to kind of dock you for that. You know, right. I, I have had, I've worked with clients for whom that was the case, mm-hmm. uh, doctored or used it as a, you know, against uh, against them uh, and no real support. So again, that's, you know, that's a, that's a way to re-trigger uh, one's trauma. Right. And that makes it very hard then to go into session with somebody else who doesn't really want to be there. How do you show up as a, a therapist with an open heart um, and do what you're, you're here to do? Yeah. This takes me to two things. Maybe we can still get to both of them. Yeah. One is, when you were describing, we have limitless possibilities. And it made me think about also how we as therapists will try to expand the range, expand the range of responses, help our clients to come up with an expanded range of responses or um, how they might 
engage or interact or, you know, what their choices are. And, and again, we're pretty good in the room and less so often with ourselves, right? Yes. I can help somebody else far more than I can say, all right, Cindy, what am I, what do I really want to do? Mm-hmm. What else is possible? Right. You know, um, well, that's just commentary. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I mean, one of the things, one of the questions uh, I have, I ha- I'm like the queen of stickies. I have stickies everywhere. And one of the questions for myself, I, I recently uh, accepted a new client who triggered some of my biases. And I kind of caught myself in session a couple of times, sort of playing to those biases. And so what I did, for instance, I now have a, a note with every new client, what, what are my bias? What are my, some of my implicit biases? What are some of my explicit biases? Where am I coming from with this, you know, beautiful human being who's suffering? People don't come to me. They feel good. They come to us because they don't feel good. Exactly. Melanie, that's, that's great. I was just working with an intern and we were talking about when values clash and this is an excellent exercise that I think I'll take back to her and also use myself. That's, that's wonderful. It was helpful for me. And I will say that one of my hardcore foundations is mindfulness, mindful awareness. I have to be able to self-observe. I have to be, well, let's say in the ideal setting, I'm able to self-observe and use self-awareness and how am I, again, bringing it back to me bringing it back to me, not in a narcissistic way, but in a, in a way that I think is um, kind of beautifully and appropriately humble because it's, it's where we start. This is, this is the ground from which I start. I bring who I am to session. I don't put myself in the closet. Here I am. And you were created for that purpose, right? That's tapping into your purpose of who you are and connecting on that level, you know, and it's, it's also being useful. We love to be useful. And so it's okay to use yourself. Yes. Yes. Right. Within appropriate context. And Mm -hmm. also then with, with, you know, some bit of self-knowledge, who am I, what's being triggered in me? What do I need to deal with myself? So I don't bring it into session so I can be clear with that beautiful soul who is Mm -hmm. looking to me to help guide. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think you might've answered my, my next question just with that, because we were talking about confidence and how you see a therapist having confidence and creating it yourself over the years. And I think what you just gave is almost like a definition of how to be a confident therapist. Yes, and I, I think uh, I think that's part of it, and I think even defining that word confident, I think maybe is a could be a beautiful exercise, maybe throughout our career, because how I define myself as a confident therapist now is not the same as you know back in the day, and uh, to allow the flexibility of the reality that the only constant is change, mm. including 
ourselves. Yes. And also, you know, uh, developing confidence. <laughs> well, that perfectionist part of myself and the one who has to know everything and the one who loves to know everything. I, I once in a while, not once in a while, I'm pretty good. Well, that's a part of me. Okay. So that's she, it, they are there. But I think it's really, really important to constantly acknowledge that we are just human beings and we cannot possibly know everything. We aren't going to get it right. We are going to make mistakes. How do we hold that within ourselves and where do we get support for those things? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and it comes down to accepting that, that we are small, that like you said at the very beginning, we are small. We're not going to know everything. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's how it is. It's how it is. There's so, so much room for growth. Right. You know, I, w- I was going to ask you, and we're throwing this question completely out the window. And I'm sure my listeners can understand why, how to stay relevant if you're an older therapist. I mean, you are more relevant than most people I know, Melanie. <laughs> oh, thank you. But I do think it's important. Uh, well, thank you for that. Yes. Yes. And I think I talked about it uh, a little bit earlier. And um, it's something I heard uh, somebody say in a, you know, some Facebook webinar a couple of weeks ago. His name is Mark Silver. And he, he uh, works with, uh, he has a really lovely uh, online business program called Heart of Business. He's mm. a Sufi and he's, uh, but he's not, you know, you don't go and do twirling like the Sufis do with those fabulous, you know, outfits and the big hats and all that stuff. But he's very special spiritually inclined and he really supports so-called woo uh, therapists and other sort of healers mm-hmm. and his question was and he was answering somebody else's in the group's question what is your capacity what is your capacity which can admittedly be a sometimes painful self-exploration in that what I can do now at my age and what I'm willing to do now versus what I could do, I don't know, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, that's three lifetimes ago for me. As as <laughs> right. <laughs> but to, again, self-awareness, self-honesty, be willing to ask the question, how am I serving? Am I? Do I need to be differently? Uh, not be you know, I am who I am. Do I need to do things differently? Do I need to let go of some things? Mm. I only see, I see clients from like 9am to 2pm. I suck in the late afternoon. (laughs) I've never been able to do evenings. I can't, I just can't do it. Yeah. I don't see that as a limitation. I see that as being appropriately honoring of what I need so I can best be present for them. Right. Honoring what you need. That's, that's so important. And it goes with that self-love, you know, as you maybe accept uh, something different, right. You still have this returning to yourself from that place of compassion and love. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm a much better therapist because of it. And I'm a happier camper because I have time to take the walks I need to take. And sometimes I just need to sit and stare at my navel or, you know, <laughs> really waste a half an hour on social media or read something that really matters to me or take a new training. Mm-hmm. I can live my whole life. Oh my goodness. We, 
could all be so inspired by your energy and wisdom and sharing this. This is just so great to learn from you, Melanie, to hear some of what you've been through personally, that's been really challenging, that continues to be. And none of us is um, absent from that, right? We all have something like that. We all do. We all have aging partners or aging parents mm-hmm. or sick children, or we ourselves carry, um, you know, chronic illness, uh, mental health issues. Right. You know, we, we all have these fantasies and illusions of how it's supposed to be. And we try so desperately to wear those masks of whatever it is that our things are usually yes. from a response. Okay. And those masks, you know, maybe served us. They did back way back in the day, but they don't anymore. And I do think that's part of what maybe we're being invited or called to do now is to just put away some of that crap. And, and well, the central question of CPTSD, and this comes from Dr. Ariel Schwartz in Boulder, mm-hmm. can I be myself and still be loved? Can I be who I am and still show up in the world? Yes. How, and how do we do that? How do we do that? Right. And we're well, all asking the question. I think yes. Well, many of us are, not everybody. Many of us are. But, you know, right there, it's like you just told everyone, put away the crap and be yourself. Well, and really who I'm telling? Who yeah. am I telling that really to? Me. <laughs> Me. Well, of course of course (laughs) yes put that try to put down the masks yeah you're brave i'm saying this with so much sincerity you're brave to tell it to yourself Mm -hmm. and i would love for me and my listeners to do the same put away the crap and be who you are it's not easy that's going to be a real challenge for so many of us but take a page from from melanie and be brave, be confident. Confidence is this willingness to just try, try to open into those possibilities mm-hmm. and such a gift that you've shared with us about that today. So Melanie, tell everyone the name of your website and where people can find you. And we'll link to this in the show notes as well. Okay, great. My website is the Santa Fe therapist.com. And the radio show is called Living from Happiness. And my very last question, which you've probably said over and over in our talk today, is what is your definition of a heart-centered therapist? Mm. Trust. I ask for help. I get humble. I pay attention to new modalities. And I, after session, check in with myself as needed. With my heart, is it feeling? It's a felt sense. It is. It's a felt sense. I know when things are off. So don't just rush past that. Right. Stay here, because here, and I'm pointing at my uh, my energetic heart, here is home. Here is home. Here is from where I live and move and make decisions and work with others and screw up and face plant and all of it. All of it. Well, thank you for that. So wonderful to meet you again, Dr. Melanie Hearth, the Santa Fe therapist, and look forward to what's next in your possibilities. 
Thank you. Thank okay. you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. It's been yes. Thank you. you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.